Hey, welcome to the Centre Podcast. We're a church based in Dural, Sydney, who love Jesus and want to share the message of hope that he brings for all people. We pray that you're blessed by this word and that it reveals God's love for you in a new way. Enjoy. So if you do have your Bibles handy, please uh, follow along. It's, um, it's a, it is a rather long one today, so it's Hebrew, Hebrews 3, um, verse, uh, Hebrews 3, 4, verse 13. So, therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. He was faithful to the one who appointed me, just as Moses was faithful, faithful in all God's house. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honour than Moses, just as the builder of, the, of a house has greater honour than the house itself. For, for every house in, is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future. But Christ is faithful as the son over God's house, and we are in his house. If indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. So, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not burden your hearts, as you did in the rebellion, during the time of testing in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested and tried me, though for forty years they say what I did. That is why I was angry with that generation. I said, Their hearts are always going astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared an oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a, has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end, as, as has just been said. Today, if you hear his voice, do not burden, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses's, Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies perished in the wilderness? And to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us, just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them, because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Now we who have believed enter the rest, just as God has said. So I declared on my oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And yet his works have been finished since the creation of the world. For some, for somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. On the seventh day, God rested from all his works. And again, in the passage above, he says, they shall never enter my rest. Therefore, since it still remains for some of the, some to enter that rest, and since those who formerly had the good news proclaimed to them did not go in because of their disobedience. God again set a certain day, calling it today. This he did when a long time later he spoke through David, as in the passage already quoted. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. 
For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest, so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than double-edged sword, and penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges his, the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Well, oh, thanks, Alex. That was a very, very long reading. And during that reading, what key phrase popped up again and again and again? Uh, do not harden your hearts. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. And so that is what the, the author of Hebrews is trying to warn is the church he's writing to. He's saying, hey, do not become the next wilderness generation. God's spirit is alive and active today. His word is living. Therefore, it's still current today. Don't harden your hearts like those did in the rebellion. Now, for those who have just joined us, we are unpacking the book of Hebrews. And Hebrews is this letter that was written to a bunch of Jewish Christians who were tempted to pack in their faith, their belief in Jesus, in order to go back to Judaism. So the author here writes this letter, this sermon, to prove why Jesus is better. And last week we looked at how Jesus is the heir, the son over everything. And in fact, Jesus himself, despite being the one that created the world, the one that upholds this universe by the power of his word, he is also was made like one of us to be a faithful high priest. And in fact, here's a question for everyone. Oh, that means not very good. This one, when you get to a therefore, what does that mean in English? Someone want to call it out? Pardon? What went before? There's a reason. So, therefore, in chapter 8, starting therefore, we've got to fix our thoughts on Jesus is because he himself, when he was tempted, he's able to help those who are being tempted. And that's what Hebrews presents as this remarkable image of Jesus, one that upholds this world, the Son of God, but also one made just like us, who was tempted like we were. And then he picks off, he kicks off his argument with therefore. So if you're feeling tempted, if you want to pack in your faith, therefore, brothers and sisters, family of God, who share in this heavenly calling, this inheritance, fix your thoughts on Jesus. That's very, very wonderful advice. If you're suffering life, just reflect upon Jesus. And then, but because... This letter was written as a way to show why Jesus is superior to the Old Testament. He picks up where he left us last week. Jesus greater than the angels. The angels are the one who delivered Torah to the people of God. Now he continues that thing. Jesus is greater than Moses. Now, Moses, if you were a Jew in this period of time, what we call the Second Temple period, so first temple was Solomon, the second temple was built after exile, and this 
second temple period. Oh, Moses, he was just elevated. He almost was like a fourth member of the Trinity to the Jews. There's all these, like, what they call writings that aren't scripture. And one of these writings says Moses had equal glory to the holy ones. Moses would be placed on a heavenly throne. In fact, there's one letter which talks about when God came down on Mount Sinai, Moses himself actually went up to heaven and told the angels, hey, you need to come down and give us Torah. Now, these writings aren't scripture. We start to get this idea. This is how Moses was viewed. He's elevated above anyone in Judaism. And here the author tells us, hey, guess what? Yeah, Moses, he was really, really faithful. In fact, Moses himself was told that he could talk to God himself, to Yahweh, as one would to a friend. But ultimately, he is just a servant, a very, very faithful one, but just a servant. And in a household, who is greater, the son or the servant? Who is it? Son. And that's the point here. Say, hey, Jesus is the son. Not Moses. Jesus is faithful. Moses was faithful. But ultimately, Moses was just a servant. And so he sets up here this positive example of what we should be like. Fix your thoughts on Jesus. Jesus is greater than Moses. Jesus was faithful just as Moses was faithful. Therefore, you need to be faithful too. But here is the warning, and Hebrews does this. Gives you some hope, gives you some warning. Gives you some hope again. Now, here's some confession time. How many of us started different projects? Getting fit, building something, having goals, with lots of enthusiasm. Come on, let's see a raise of hands. We've all started well, haven't we? And how many of us haven't finished it? Yeah, yeah, I'm guilty of that. And so Psalm 95, it's a little bit like that. The, The Israelites, they escaped from Egypt. It's this really dramatic rescue, there's lots of plagues, there's a crossing of the Red Sea, and now the Israelites are in the wilderness. And the problem for them is that life starts to get tough. When life gets tough, what are we prone to do? Give up, have a grumble, have a whinge. And that's exactly what happened here in the wilderness. And so Psalm 95, it was written by David in the the period that he lived, but he's reflecting upon that wilderness generation and looks at their example and don't be like them. And so Psalm 95, I was thinking of two examples in particular. One of them is the the lack of water in the desert. In the desert, it gets hot and thirsty, and if you haven't got water, you start to grumble and complain. But God always provided, didn't he? Always provided water, always provided food when they needed it. And the second, and the, probably the biggest mistake that wilderness generation made was when the 12 spies were sent out by Moses to go into the promised land and just check it out and just see what the land was like. And if it was a Baptist church, well, I say this with great care, if it was a Baptist church, it would seem that God's will was not to go to the promised land because the 10 spies came back and they said, the land is full of giants. We can't conquer this. We can't do it. This is impossible. We're going to get killed. Now, only two people, Joshua and Caleb, said, no, no, no. We can do this. 
we can do this. God is on our side. And so this is what the psalmist is reflecting upon, is that the people didn't listen. They didn't listen one bit to Joshua and Caleb. did not have faith. And so Psalm 95 here, it's written, it says here, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, as in the rebellion, during the time of testing in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested me and tried me. Though for 40 years they saw what I did, that is why I was angry with that generation. I said, their hearts are always going astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. It's a pretty damning psalm. It's a real warning. And it's a warning that's ongoing for every generation. What's interesting here, and before he starts that quote in verse 7, Hebrews, Hebrews 3, 7 says, So as the Holy Spirit says, not a human author, doesn't acknowledge David as the author, it's the Holy Spirit. Here's a little fun little Greek fact for you, for those little Bible college nerds out there. The Greek word that we translate as says is lege, which is like present. It's happening now. That's the idea. Because God's word is still speaking to us currently. Especially more so as it's today. Today, if you hear it, not yesterday, not tomorrow, but today. Today you need to act. If you hear God's voice speaking to you, don't harden your hearts. Don't become the next wilderness generation. Yeah, and this is where the author of Hebrews is saying, hey, like, guys, see to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily as long as it's called today. If it is today, do not harden your hearts. Continue to encourage one another. So you recognise it's, it's a difficult journey to go upon. The Christian journey is not easy. Hebrews never says, oh, it's going to be a cakewalk. He actually acknowledges it's going to be difficult. That's why we need to have our thoughts upon Jesus. Jesus himself was tempted. He suffered. He found it difficult. Yet he did not sin. Friends, it's going to be tough. But ultimately, it is worth it. And it's interesting how... Um, Psalm 95 talks about God's promises being rest. They shall never enter my rest. Now, when you think of rest, what comes to mind? Well, shout out some ideas. Where's rest? Sleeping, yeah. <laughs> so I think of rest. Anyone else? Pardon? Peace of mind. I heard something else. Sabbath. Yeah. Rest is an interesting concept in the Bible. Um, talks about in Genesis of God, and actually quotes from this, on the seventh day, God resting from all of his works. Now, in English, that's probably the first thought that comes to my mind, I think, of rest is sleeping. But better way of understanding rest is ceasing. God ceased create, creating. Not because God was tired, because he was finished. And in the ancient world, there was this 
idea amongst the pagans and, and the Israelites that when the gods, or God in our case, had finished the work, they ceased. And with creation, by ceasing creation, creation itself could do what it was meant to do. In the case of God creating this world, by creating human beings and resting, God's, the earth is able to fulfill the function it was supposed to. Okay, we understand that? By ceasing, God's created the world. world can continue as it is in this 24-hour cycle, sun, moon, oceans, animals, everything that happens. Now, would someone like to turn to Genesis chapter 2 and be big and brave and read it out for us? I have a volunteer. Genesis chapter 2, verse 2. Someone read that out for us? Any brave volunteer? <laughs> Craig, oh, that's crazy, my dear. <laughs> Thank you. Now, if you're listening, what's a key word that comes up there about the seventh day? God does what to it? Blesses it? What's the other thing he does to it? Made it holy. Okay. So, bless. so the seventh day is blessed and it's holy. Now, can I keep that image in mind when it comes to rest? When, when Psalm 95 is talking about rest, a, it's actually thinking about a future day. And it picks up on later on. Let me find where it says. What's about Joshua? Ah, here we go. For if Joshua had given them rest. Now, what's a fun little fact is that in Greek, that says Inesus, which we actually translate in English as Jesus. So in verse 8, you could read it as, for if Jesus had given them rest. Now, he's talking about Joshua here, the first Jesus. Jesus, Joshua, same name, different person. To give it a rest that God would not have spoken later about another day. And so in Psalm 95, he's recognizing that God in his anger said to Israelites, you're not going to enter into the promised land. You will not enter into my rest, i.e. experience the goodness of the promised land. And in Psalm 95, he's thinking about, well, actually there is another rest to come, something even better. And the author of Hebrews, he recognizes, well, Psalm 95 is not just talking about Back then, Israelites not being allowed into the promised land, talking about a later time. And in reading that passage from Genesis chapter 2, we get a bit of a snapshot that the seventh day, God blessed it, and it was holy. Now, what's the opposite of holiness? Unholiness. <laughs> that works. Sin. Sin. God for holy God. And in this holy space, it's defiled by sin. Thank you, Craig. Now, always there. So, if seventh day is holy and blessed, that means that a world entered with sin is not holy, doesn't it? Mm. That's sort of the image of rest that God is speaking about. Now, what, what has Jesus done? 
on the cross. What's he done with our sin and our unholiness? What's he done with it? He's taken it. Yeah. And so this idea here that he's, and this is why um, the book of Hebrews needs to be written in kind of one sitting, breaking it down even to like parts like this. He sort of missed a bigger picture. He's been talking about, throughout, you might notice Jesus, our high priest, he sort of mentioned it. A few times Jesus is our, he's our high priest and apostle. And you unpack this image of high priest. The job of the high priest was to take away the sins of the people. In fact, there was one day a year called Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, where the high priest would go through this really complex ritual, and there the sins of the people for that year would be taken away. In fact, afterwards, God said in Leviticus that that day was to be a Sabbath. That forgiveness that the Israelites experienced on the Day of Atonement was a Sabbath rest. That's what God's intention for us is. A world without sin, without pain, without suffering. And so here, what the author of Hebrews is doing is he's trying to get the church to recognise that, hey, Jesus offers a greater rest, a greater rest than Joshua was able to. He's able to offer us a world with no sin, no pain, no tears, and no suffering. So that gives us that warning. Hey, you know what? It is going to be difficult following Jesus. You know, it is going to be challenging, but brothers and sisters who share in their heavenly call, fix your eyes, fix your thoughts on Jesus. He calls us to do Don't be like that wilderness generation. Don't just give in because it gets tough. Because the promises at the end are so worth it. That idea of rest of being excluded from that. It's horrible. Like, Psalm 95 is really depressing. It just, that's how it ends. It ends with that word of, they shall never enter my rest. Ooh, Psalm 95, think, just pick up Psalm 96. It is meant to be a warning. It is meant to frighten you. And just scared. Because perhaps, and I'm guilty of this at times, when it is today and you hear God's voice, it's kind of hard in your heart. <clears throat> I really don't want to do that. I really don't want to be obedient right now. I don't want to listen. I want to do my own thing. And in, in Scripture, warnings are given there not just to make us feel terrible meant to spur us into action. Let's tell you, this, this letter here, this warning here is written in love. It's like, hey, I don't want you guys to miss out. If you continue on this path of rejecting Jesus, you're going to miss out. You're going to miss out on God's rest. You're going to miss out on all these promises that only Jesus can offer. Yeah, sure, Moses was faithless. Man, he was one of the greatest Israelites that ever lived. But ultimately, he was just a servant in the house of God. The son is greater. Do not be the next wilderness generation. And that same warning is for us. Don't become part of that wilderness generation that's not able to enter into God's rest. I think at the end of... Um, this section of Hebrews in chapter 4, we get this remarkable image of the Word of God 
being alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrates even to the dividing soul, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. God is the living God. The Holy Spirit still speaks today. And God's word has this way of just digging deep within us. I remember about 10 years ago, I met this Muslim background believer. So a Christian who used to be a Muslim. And very describing his conversion, he said it was like God literally got him and just tore him apart. So just God just tore me apart and rebuilt me completely. It's just this remarkable image of conversion of someone who was so stubborn in coming to faith. And that's what God's word does. It is alive and active. Sharpen edge, two-edged sword. And it does that because he God does not want us to miss out on the rest that he offers. And friends, the journey of faith is difficult. There might be no water in the desert. He might lack food. Perhaps there are giants in the promised land that seem impossible to conquer. But don't let that be the reason why you don't access God's rest. I think most of us in this room put our hands up. We started a project with great gusto. And how many unfinished projects sit in our garage? How many unfinished exercise or diet plans have we gone through? Don't be like that today. Friends, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. And if you are frightened about, perhaps my heart is harder. Perhaps I'm not listening to God's voice. There, holy brothers and sisters, urge you, fix your, th- your thoughts upon Jesus. Because he is the one who was made just like us. He is the one who was tempted in every way, yet he did not sin. And he is the one who could offer access to God's rest for all eternity. Let me pray for us. Lord, we give you thanks that through Jesus we have access to rest. The rest that only you can offer. That snapshot of what was there on the seventh day back in Genesis, you will do for all of creation. And Lord, in the midst of the challenges and difficulties of life, where we are tempted to give up, where we are tempted to ignore your voice and harden our hearts, I pray that today, that if we haven't been listening to you, that we will, that we'll listen to your voice, listen to the living word which is sharper than any two-edged sword, and let it transform us, shape us, and mold us. Let us pray all of this in Jesus' name. so much for joining us. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to help others discover this channel. Check out the description if you want to find out more or get in touch with us at the Centre Dural. But in the meantime, praying for God's hand over you as you continue to step into everything Jesus has in store for your life. 
be blessed.